Welcome, everyone, to the Everyday Podcast, your gateway to the casual side of business. I'm your host, Matt Esposito, and I'm going to let our wonderful co-host introduce himself. I'm your co-host, Andrew Sadikov, and for today's episode, we are going to talk about photo and video. And we have a new face at the table, Mr. Jared Sugar, who is our creative director over at EDE and also a multimedia specialist at EDS. So he's involved with both companies and the everyday brand. Uh, so you guys are going to get some really good insight. You know. Um, so moving on, like Andrew said, we're, the episode three is titled Let's Talk Photo and Video. Um, so I guess to go over some of the general topics that we're going to be covering today, we're going to go over what both companies have to offer services-wise. Uh, Andrew and Jared are going to dive into our process, everything from equipment, onboarding, you know, what makes our process unique and successful, and also, last but not least, post-production. And we're also going to get into uh, photo and video for beginners. Jared and Andrew are going to go over some tips uh, for that. And they're, they're going to give their insight to the future of the creative departments for photo and video for both companies, you know, what they see coming in the future. Uh, before we get into that, make sure to check out last week's episode, which was titled Being a CEO at 20 and a COO at 19. We've gotten some great feedback on that. And that was definitely our favorite episode by far, even though there's been... Uh, there's been two. Uh, and also, the website is complete, so be sure to check that out. Um, it's everydaypodcast.biz. That's B-I-Z at the end. All righty. So just to get some background for the episode to start, um, EDE, which was the first company in the Everyday brand, started solely as a photo and video company. So this is one of our staple services. This is our biggest department. You know, this is our, this is our bread and butter. Um, this is where we come from. And EDS uh, is solely photo and video. So, you know, we're going to have many, uh, many different episodes about this topic. Next, why photo and video is important. Uh, for EDE, you know, businesses utilize photo and video in marketing efforts. Video is king in 2020, and so is photo, whether we're doing social media content or, you know, content for web, email, you know, businesses of all sizes use this organic high quality content that we create and by this by you know content creation by photo and video we mean high quality organic we don't mean stock footage you know that that's our specialty is coming in and giving you know showing people what your business is firsthand um and before i i hand it over to them i want to state that one of my favorite things when it comes to being a business owner or running a multimedia marketing agency and a photo and video company, I love visiting the shoots. That's one of my favorite parts of the day when there's time to do that. And on top of that, even when I'm sitting in with the client delivering uh, anything from our creative departments from both companies, I love seeing the smile on their faces, you know, just with the client when they're sitting there seeing their dream production or just putting their vision, you know, Alive, making it alive and, and, and making that happen is, is priceless in, in, uh, in my eyes. I don't know if you guys have anything to add on top of no, that. No, I think uh, we're on the same page as far as that goes. All right, so moving on to what the everyday brand companies have to offer photo and video-wise. So starting with EDE, everything photo and video-wise that we produce within that company is for promotional advertising use. So we do things like business trailers, uh, TV spots, social media content, like I said, anything that has to do with uh, content for the website, using an email blast, uh, anything that falls under you know the professional markets, anything to do with advertising efforts. And for everyday studios, we cover weddings, graduations, sports, anything within the entertainment 
industry, you know, special events, everything from A to Z that's more in the personal markets doesn't have to do with like business and, and marketing and, uh, and advertising. So moving on from all the background information, uh, Mr. Andrew and Jared are going to be talking about our process when it comes to the creative departments in the everyday brand. So the most important thing for us as you know, content creators is to showcase your business as far as EDE goes or your event, you know, whatever you're doing as far as EDS goes um, as best as we can. So we want to focus on the best things that represent your company and your brand, the things that make you stand out, the things that, you know, that you're proud of and the reason that you started it, you know, to begin with. So, you know, I know Jared is a lot more familiar with the onboarding and storyboarding process. So we'll have him talk a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, a lot of companies, um, marketing companies will come to you with a, you know, a regular formula or process that they have for every client, um, you know, to create a piece of uh, video or uh, a set of photos. And um, that works a lot of the time. But what we do is a lot more customized and close to home for some of these small businesses. Um, we come in and we really get to know the company before um, creating any content. You know, we'll do a day of just kind of shooting around and, and talking to the owner about what they like and what they want to see in, in the content that we, that we produce for them. Um, I know personally, I'll go on their website, you know, um, search their Instagram, look at competitors and see what everybody else is doing um, to kind of uh, push the envelope for whatever business we're kind of trying to dive into here. Um, so that way we have a firm grasp on what we're creating before we even really start. Um, I think that's one of the most important um, things for us is to really get to know our clients before we dive into this kind of content creation um, because it's that much more, you know, um, close to home and I think we do a better job at doing our jobs um, when we really get to know our clients that way. Right, exactly. And a good example of that would be, you know, some of the clients we worked with, it used to be, you know, we come in there, they give us a script for kind of the content that we want, and we spend, you know, the time at the shoot to try and set everything up and try and uh, figure everything out. But it's a lot more efficient, you know, to have things beforehand and to sit down with your team and whoever's going to be working, especially if you can sit down with the client you're going to be working with, and decide, okay, this is what we're gonna cover, this is how we're gonna cover it, because the shoots then go a lot smoother for sure. that way once you already know what you're trying to go for. Um, as far as the shoots go, you know, let's move towards, we were working with somebody, we set up a storyboard, we know what we're filming, we know what points we're gonna hit, you know, now we come to the shoot, we gotta take care of a bunch of different stuff, we gotta take care of the environment, the sound, how we're going to push the story, and all that stuff, right? Uh, so I know Jack, he's not here with us today, but he's the one who actually taught me to really focus on what's in my shots. You know, he was the one that told me that the biggest step for him, where he saw his improvement was and what he recommended, you know, for everybody else, was to really pay attention to everything in the background, to everything in the foreground. You know, is there a background and a foreground? Maybe you have a very flat shot. Maybe you have a very dynamic shot. Um, you know, and from there, use that towards your story. Absolutely. I don't know, you could tell us even more about that because you've sure. been shooting, you know, a lot longer than I have. For sure. I mean, everything in the frame um, serves a purpose, um, whether it tells this, helps tell the story or, you know, um, create, uh, helps create a, you know, more colorful image or make somebody stand out in an interview. Everything in your frame should have a purpose. And I think that's very important to consider when you're composing frames. Um, for anything, whether it be a business trailer or just a piece of social content, um, everything in your frame definitely serves a purpose. And in creating each shot, you know, the, you kind of have to have an eye for this uh, this kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, at learning 
setting a camera down and and learning from the start, um, you kind of begin to see how each each frame you set up um, becomes more complex when you when you add a background and a foreground. Um, if you just have a plain white wall behind someone, you know, per se, um, in an interview, um, it's not going to look um, any different than you know the, your next guy's shot. But if you take uh, a plant and you add some some rim light and some uh, some backlight to your to your interviewee, then I think you'll be able to make your uh, your shot pop a lot more, and it'll stand out um, in your video. There's there's there, I mean there's a lot of ways that you can go about composing frames. Um, but I think as you begin to develop an eye for this kind of stuff, as Andrew and I and Jack and Cortez really have, um, you'll be able to create more diverse, dynamic shots. And I think that's, you know, some of the most fun you can have with film is, you know, composing some of these creative shots. Um, and Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and another thing I want to bring up was you also have to adjust to whoever you're shooting with. So for some things we shoot maybe a relatively wide shot with multiple people in it, little movement, you know, kind of a corporate looking, say a TV commercial we want to shoot, right? Another shoot you recently did, actually for Manasquant Lighting, you involved some very close up handheld camera work with some of the, uh, you know, putting together of these lights that was going on. For sure. Um, again, so being able to tell the difference when which shot is appropriate and having a, a, a little bit of a foresight to know, okay, this is what it's going to look like, or this is what I want to compose, you know, as opposed to let's shoot it, see if we can fix it in post. And the funny thing is, is actually, we used to make fun of, uh, you know, of Matt and the rest of the team when we were first a very fledgling company, because we used to think that we can fix a lot of things in post. Um, and there's a very famous uh, saying, crap in, crap out, yep. which means that whatever you pour into, you know, your editing rig is whatever you're going to get out yep. of it. Yep. Um, and that's definitely been a very big, uh, a big change for us to really, you know, and I mean, it's a pretty straightforward thing for most, you know, new photographers, cinematographers, you know, they quickly realize that they yeah. can't do everything in post, but really just focus on how far you can take, you know, the and camera stuff, you know, nailing the white balance and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you can change white balance in post, but it's so much better if you get it right on set and other things like that, that really, you know, help out. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get your camera settings right in camera the first time, it's only going to help you out later in post. Um, and I think that's something obviously you get better at over time. Um, and like Andrew said, you know, adding, adding, um, knowing when to add motion to a shot or um, bring in a stabilizer or shoot handheld is also something that comes with time um, creating this stuff. And you know, making you can make something so simple as you know drinking a glass of water. Um, look interesting by adding, you know, the right shot or, or adding some motion to it. Um, and I think that's a really important part of filmmaking that a lot of people don't understand coming into it. Um, you know, creating a d dynamic, diverse shot has a lot more to do with it than setting a camera down on a tripod and setting it up the right way. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, we got pretty good at that over time. And, and I, I believe right. that's, that's very important. Of course. Um, so moving on, let's talk about working with people. It's very rare that you're going to have, um, you know, a video that you produce that's going to have no people in it. Of course, you could do, you know, we do spots for Circle BMW where we showcase cars. B-roll. Um, exactly. That'll be, you know, your B-roll, you know, just pretty cinematics. Of course, you can have some shots where the people aren't really doing anything. They could be, you know, running through a field um, and you're not really focused on their specific characteristics. You're mostly focused on the environment that you've created for them. But regardless, you're almost always going to be working with people. You're going to have somebody speaking. You're going to have somebody showcasing their business. We always like to put a face 
to the businesses that we work with, it makes a very big difference for somebody, you know, as opposed to seeing a coffee shop and seeing an owner talk about their coffee shop. Um, so let's talk about, you know, making people comfortable and working with people. You know, what are some of your go-tos when you want to make somebody comfortable in the environment that you're shooting in? So one of my go-tos is definitely music. Um, people click with music and it tends to make them feel more comfortable in the environment that they're in, especially when um, we're on set and they have a ton of lights on them. You know, people tend to feel pressured and stutter and not really be true to themselves when you're sitting in front of a camera. Um, myself included, it's not something that's very easy to do uh, without experience. Um, so setting some music down, especially if we don't need audio in the scene, is definitely uh, one of my go-tos for making people feel comfortable. Um, it's it's not easy to feel comfortable in front of the right. camera. I mean, we're we're sitting here in front of the camera yeah, right I now, know. you know. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. It, we're all not you know pro actors, but mm -hmm. so any any normal business owner that you know isn't isn't comfortable with this kind of you know content creation because this is very new to them. Like ninety percent of the business of the owners that we yeah. work with, mm -hmm. you know, haven't sat in front of a professional camera and a set of lights, you know, and audio equipment, and it tends to make you sweat. So you really do want to make these people feel comfortable when you're setting up an interview and you're, you're having these people, you know, be true to themselves and, and speak about their business, you know, um, and, and sound convincing um, because you don't want it to sound like it's being read right. off the script. Right. You know? Another big thing is definitely uh, positive feedback. It's something that I always really try to do. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit later when it comes to some of the equipment, because some equipment allows you to do it better than others. Um, but constantly, you know, if somebody's doing something, oh, this shot looks awesome, this shot looks great. You have to be in the right mindset. You have to be in the mindset that you want your talent in, right? So unless you want them to be upset or aggravated or frustrated, you know, you have to keep your environment positive. You have to be going through your settings. Everything could be going wrong. You could have just run out of batteries. You know, you're shooting from a DC wall outlet. There's too much noise in the background. Maybe the lights are wrong, uh, you know, and you're, you're, you're over here trying to save the shoot. That's possible, but you cannot let your client know even if something like that is going on, they need to believe that everything is perfect. They need to believe that they're doing great, that the shoot's gonna come out awesome. And a lot of it really translates uh, onto the camera very much. So if you've ever taken any sort of acting classes, you know that on stage, you know, uh, in theater, um, you have to exaggerate all of your movements because people from the back row cannot see your emotions, cannot see some of the movements yeah. that you make. Everything has to be very big. On camera, it's the other way around. A camera will pick up every little slight detail. You know, a close-up shot, you know, you could have been unhappy about something in the morning and just have, you know, your eyebrows, you're frowning a little bit, and, you know, that'll immediately be apparent. Um, you know, so all these little things, the environment that you create, how you react, and how, um, you know, you inspire the person you're working with are very important. For sure. I mean, um, we can't have a, a business owner rushing us through this process, right. and, and that's something that really um, a lot of people don't understand either. A lot of people think, you know, we come in and, and shoot the video in an hour and get it done, when really, you know, you, you need to set a, a day aside to get something done right. Um, most of the time, I mean, y y this isn't something to be rushed. You need you need to have your schedule cleared. Uh, you got to have your mind free. Y you know, you can't be stressed. Like Andrew said, it, it shows through in the final product. Um, even for myself, you know, I kind of turn my brain off when I'm when I'm shooting these videos and, and doing work for clients. It's it's something that shows through in your work when you're shooting it, and it's something that shows through when you're the interviewee or you know participant in the video um, you, you gotta have time to set aside to do this stuff and you can't it can't be rushed it's kinda gotta come natural and you kinda gotta block the world out when you do this right exactly um, so moving forward a little bit um, we can still talk about environment and people you have to 
really understand how your shot is coming together. Uh, so very little things can make a big difference. For example, um, we've got a guy who likes to tap his feet always. You know, whenever he's talking in front of the camera, he's tapping his shoes in the background. And if I've got a boom mic that's aimed above him to get audio from below, that's going to pick up his shoe. You're going to get the most high quality shoe tap you've ever heard. But if I don't want that in the video, then I got to say, okay, listen, either don't tap your shoe, you know, your shoes or even take them off, yeah. you know, be able to adapt to your environment, get creative. Okay. You want to tap your foot. You're a little nervous. You're not used to being on camera. Okay. Not a problem. Take your shoe off. And then I don't have that problem for sure. Um, changing stuff in the background, same story. You know, sometimes you'll have a certain audio source in the background. Um, and as a simply rotating the shot around might be able to alleviate that problem or turning off something in the building, you know, whether it's a specific part of the AC system that's being really loud that, yeah. you know, maybe we can put it on standby for the three minutes that we're shooting and turn it back on afterwards, you know, all, knowing all these things and really thinking outside of the box, outside of just your camera and within your environment is very useful. For sure. Um, so let's talk about editing and post-production. You know, what are some things that really separate uh, a quality editor um, and a quality, you know, post producer, if you will, from somebody who just wants to throw the shots in, get them out as quickly as they can. Um, so for me personally, um, I really sit there and dissect um, each shot I take. Um, and I mean, I set my so I bring all my footage in. Let's start from from the beginning. Right. Um, import all my footage. Um, and each shot I take, you know, I really want to make sure I import. Um, all the good takes and and the bad takes um, to review them over and over again and, and and pick the best from the all. So I really take my time dissecting each clip um, and then bringing in um, I said an in point and an out point on um, all of my you know I cut the fat off all the footage and I bring them in and then I'll review each take. Say we do three takes of, of one shot. I'll review each of the, the, those takes numerous times to make sure I have my best shot before I bring it into my timeline. Um, and I think that you know that's that's the biggest part a lot of the, a lot of people bring all their footage in and they get so excited to make an edit um, and and they just start pulling footage you know right right from their um, right from one of the bins and you know you could be skipping over a lot of great takes that you took just because you're you know you want to get this done and you're excited and you and you pull one of them um, first I think that one of the most important parts is reviewing your footage accurately and making sure that you're using those good clips that you took because you know, you did all this work for a reason. You really, you really want to take advantage of that. Um, aside from that, I mean, y you kind of really have to be selective. You have to have a selective eye, and you need to be able to take your time on this stuff. It's not something that you can rush. Um, I mean, I sit there, and I, and I really enjoy this kind of stuff, and I know a lot of people do too, um, but you need to be able to sit there and kind of enjoy it while you do it um, because otherwise it'll feel like, it'll feel like work. Um, this isn't something that feels like work for me, um, and I feel like it's very important to be very selective in your cuts, um, but also um, knowing when to um, cut something as well is a, is a big part of editing that, that was hard for me in the beginning. Um, you know, you have so much great footage, um, and you can shoot all day and have all these beautiful clips, um, but you need to make a 30-second video at the end of the day. You, you got to know what to cut uh, and what to keep. Um, which is something that is very hard um, for a lot of editors in the beginning. Um, but over time, that's something that uh, I've worked on myself, and it kind of starts to come naturally. Um, right. I'll, I'll find myself wanting to keep uh, some, some beautiful shots in a video that 
I don't necessarily need because the video is only 30 seconds. So knowing when to keep stuff and when to cut stuff um, is very important as well. And I think that also makes makes a great editor. Right, exactly. And coming back to another thing that Jack had taught me, you know, even though he's not here with us, is, um, you know, clients will come up to us and say, oh, you guys have a drone. You know, you've got an awesome, we currently have an Inspire Pro, yep. um, gigantic thing. It folds its legs up and down, um, you know. Oh, you've got a great drone. You've got all this different stuff. Can we use it for my shoot? Can we use it for this, that, the other? Well, listen, if we're doing a 60-second video of the service department in your company, probably not the right place to use a drone shot. For sure. You know, the best I could do is offer, like, a, an establishing shot of the outside of your building, yeah. and that'll be one shot that's probably going to be three seconds long, and that'll be it. You know, and I don't have to pull a drone out to get an establishing shot of your company. You know, oh, like, you guys have a drone. You guys have a cinema camera. Okay, well, if you're an electrician... How am I going to use a drone? You know, I, I definitely can use it. I can whip it out. I can start recording things with it. But it's not necessarily going to add value to the video. So as beautiful as the footage might be, as cool as it might be to have a bird's eye view of something, if it doesn't pertain to the company, there's better stuff that can be used there. You know? Absolutely. Um, so people definitely get carried away with stuff like that. And, again, clients are clients. They are not, this, you know, that's not their job to be a cinematographer. So definitely, you know, point them in the right direction. But as a filmmaker, it's your responsibility to say, you know what? <clears throat> we're not going to use a drone shot here because it's not appropriate. Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in the magic of all the technology, you know. Uh, even myself included, I mean, you know, I, I tend to be using a gimbal or a stabilizer a lot of the time when I really could be shooting handheld, um, and that's something to really, you know, keep note of and remember um, as a cinematographer and a creative director, you know. It, it has to lend to the story. The story wins every time. And if, right. if, if what you're using and the equipment you're using isn't lending to the story to help tell the story that you're creating, um, it doesn't need to be in the shot. And that's something that, you know, we all need to be thinking about every time we go out on a shoot and, and compose a shot. Is this helping me tell the story? Um, or is this helping me, you know, um, uh, mimic a trend or something that I'm, I'm seeing on social media, which, which is something that can, can be so easy to do now, you know? There, there's so many trends and trendy, you know, techniques now that it's kind of easy to get stuck in that you know gimbal right. stabilizer equipment heavy mindset when really like all you need is you know a, a camera in your hands to create a great shot a lot of the time and i think handheld footage is very often overlooked right exactly um so let's talk about going the extra mile you know some of the things that we do um we know other cinematographers do this and there's some guys that don't um so cameras can shoot in many different profiles um, you can have the camera shoot in full auto, you can shoot it manually, um, you can follow, you know, the 180 degree rule, you could have the camera decide, you can shoot in a normal, you know, codec, you can shoot log footage, or you can even shoot raw footage if you want to. Um, you know, you got to understand what all these things mean, yeah. uh, which one's appropriate for your work, and also not always to just pick the easiest way out. You know, if I'm shooting a video for Circle BMW, if I'm shooting in the middle of the day, uh, the car is outside, so I know that I'm going to have a lot of light, I'm going to be having to you know, either close my lens all the way or crank the shutter speed, you know, use ND filters, whatever I can do to, you know, mitigate that. But I know that it's a 30 second spot of a car. I don't have to shoot raw. I don't even have to shoot 4K. You know, I don't even have to shoot 120, but you still do. And you still should because these are things that you have to practice, you know. So even though I could create a fine video without doing any of these things, um, you know, don't cheat yourself with, okay, this is an easy thing I could bang out in a couple of hours. Yeah. 
really, you know, take the steps to go through there and shoot in, you know, maybe a flatter profile so that you can practice color grading. You know, you can practice, you know, setting up your white balance. If you're shooting Sony S-Log, you can practice wildly overexposing everything so For that sure. it looks good in post. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. It's definitely important to get that uh, into your head. Again, when I first started color grading, you know, the first thing I ever color graded, for one thing, it probably sucked. Um, and for another thing, it took uh, probably an infinite amount of time. I mean, probably three, four, or five hours just sitting there messing around with heavy all saturation, the... Heavy right, saturation, heavy contrast, exactly. I'm heavy sitting there with the saturation slider going, 100 <laughs> looks good, 120 <laughs> looks good. Uh, where's the, you know, happy medium? What am I doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a big part of this job and, and a lot of the pride I take in having this job, you know, is it's 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 different every day um and we're constantly learning um you know as as good as we can get at this at at editing and and shooting is one thing but you know uh, i'm constantly learning and i'm constantly teaching myself new things and and teaching my team teammates new things and i think a big part of that is you know always being willing to experiment um with things like andrew's talking about like shooting s-log and you know, different file formats and slow motion. You know, uh, I I learn by going where I'm not comfortable. You know, you have right. to you have to bring yourself out of that out of that comfortable that comfortable zone. And I think that's very important when creating. You know, you, you're never you should never think you know everything because because truly, you know, you never will. Um, and I think everybody should always be willing to you right. know, constantly learn and keep experimenting. Exactly. So as far as we're concerned, you know, every single shoot we do, even if it's super simple, even if it's, you know what, this is a good client of ours, they've been around for a while, we're going to do a free shoot for them. I'm going to, you know, set everything up correctly. I'm going yeah. to color grade my footage correctly. I'm going to go through all of the audio that I have, and I'm going to go, I'm going to bring it into Adobe, you know, Audition. As great as it might sound, you know, we've yeah. got DR10s. You know, I love those things. Fantastic audio, pretty much right out of the box. If you don't know what you're doing, yeah. it's easy to just, you know, raise the gain and you're good. But <laughs> bring it into, a, a, you know, Audition. Find a nose, noise profile, you know, cut it out. You know, make sure that everything sounds as good as you can. For sure. Compress it if you have to. All these other things. Um, and you'll notice that you get very good at it. You know, the first time I ever color graded, like I said before, probably atrocious. I don't remember off the top of my head when that was. But now, if I've got a 30-second clip, I can go through the shots very quickly. And I can do minor adjustments. I'm going to, you know, if I'm shooting Sony, right, I might raise the shadows because Sony likes to be very dark. You You know, I might, you know, bring the blacks down a little bit depending upon how I want the scene to look or maybe vice versa. skin tones. You know, exactly. (laughs) Fix the skin tones, some saturation, make sure that my exposure is correct. And within 15 minutes... You know, wow, it already looks so much better than it does. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, that's the, that's the most rewarding part of color grading. You know, I'll, I'll bring my mom or my girlfriend into the room when I'm when I'm color grading or when I'm finished and I'll show them the product, you know, before I touched yeah, up. I do that to Matt all and the then time. After, yeah. And it's truly like anybody with, you know, you don't even need an eye for this kind of stuff. Right. But but, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, watching the footage through before you even touch color. Um, it looks okay. You're like, right, oh, this, exactly. look, this looks, looks good. good enough. And then you go through and you color grade and you touch up and 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 really like truly when when you when you turn it on and off after you've you've touched up everything, it's a huge difference. Right. Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know. And it's it's a huge part of what we do. Um, you know, you want this stuff to look the best it can possibly be, especially when it's being screened on television for Comcast or something. Right. Um, you want these colors to be accurate and you want everything to look sharp, especially when you're putting all this other work in with lighting and audio and camera. You know, color grading is, is an often overlooked um, asset. And I think we do a good job right. of perfecting that. Exactly. So 
let's go and talk about some of the equipment that we have. Cool. Uh, so you and I are both big Sony guys. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, I pushed the cam, uh, the company in a Sony direction for cameras. <laughs> We've got A7s right now that are recording this. Yeah. We've got an FS5 sitting on the table here. Um, you know, and everything like that. And I know when you came into the company, you already had, you know, your own Sony For gear. Sure. You already went through yep, those decisions. Yep, which was perfect. So tell me a little bit about Sony. What what inspired you to choose Sony? So um, I grew up shooting Canon, like everybody else. Um, 5D, Mark III, DSLRs with mirrors in them, those, those old things. Um, but, you know, after Sony evolved with the mirrorless system um, and the A7S three came out, and I want to say it was like 2015, 2014. Right. Um, I swapped over to the A7 series, and um, it was great. I mean, these things are little beasts. Uh, they put out great colors. Uh, everything is just, I mean, the menu systems could use a little work. They're a little complicated, but mm -hmm. these cameras are awesome. Um, from adapting to any type of glass you need them to be uh, adapted to, I adapt these things to my old film camera lenses. Um, and uh, just all the features in general. Uh, they shoot great slow motion. Um, they're really tiny. They fit in your hand great. Um, that was a big thing for me, just portability. Um, the Sony system has been really reliable for me over the years. It's definitely a little bit more techy. It doesn't feel as right. you know true camera as like a 5D with a shutter in it feels, but uh, I love these things. And, and you know what? The, the A7III's that we have have never failed me. Um, you yeah. know, they shoot great slow motion. They shoot great 4k um and you know you have a good set of lenses on these things and they'll do great work um truly and i, I think the best camera you know in general is is one that doesn't take you out of um you know what you're shooting you know you, you kind of want to be able to use these cameras as a tool kind of like an extension of of you know what you're looking at the filmmaking that you're doing and you know sony has kind of always let me do that without you know, thinking about, oh, no, my, you know, what button am I pushing or, or what wheel am I spinning? Um, it kind of feels natural in my hands. And so right. I think that's something that's helped me stick with Sony for all these years is that it, it kind of feels like more of an extension of me mm -hmm. rather than just like, you know, a camera in my hands, which is very important as a creator and a filmmaker. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, when we originally went through the decisions, uh, Canon didn't even have really a mirrorless lineup at that point. Yeah. I mean, they had whatever the, I want to say, Cybershot-esque yeah. uh, little cameras, but that was nowhere near what we were looking for. Vlogging-esque cameras, yeah. Right. For sure. Um, and we, the first camera we had was actually an A6300, and <laughs> a lot of the features that that camera had that were built into it that uh, realistically nobody who shoots on that, unless they know what they're doing, yeah. uses, helped us get to where we were. Um, so again, you know, 4K video, that's what they market that camera as, is a 4K camera, which is fantastic. It, yeah. it does shoot 4K, shoots good 4K. You know, it's the Sony E-mount, so you can put whatever nice lens you want on it. Um, and then you, you, you know, you keep going down the list. Okay, 1080p video at 120 frames per second, you know? That gives you a lot of freedom that you're just not gonna get. I with, love my 120, man. Right, you're not gonna get that with Canon's, you know, 1080, yeah. what, 60. Um, before the new mirrorless lineups that they offer, and even still, the cameras, you know, Canon to shoot over uh, over 60 frames at 1080 is going to cost thousands, thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Right? You know, and they intentionally want you to step up to their cinema camera exactly. lineup just to shoot that kind of stuff. And, you know, having 120, 1080 is invaluable. You know, I, I try and, and tell everyone, uh, every filmmaker, creator I talk to, you know, like, you can really stretch these shots when you're shooting in 120 frames For per sure. second. Um, you know, whether it be um, 
an, a, a business trailer or you know just a, a piece of content highlighting a specific product or item, you can really stretch these slow motion shots to look extremely well balanced and beautiful, even if you're not using a, a piece of stabilization equipment like a gimbal. Um, 120-1080 is truly invaluable, and with the a7 III, I think that was definitely a huge step right. up for Sony in that movement, so I'm excited to see what happens with this Sony a7 III, a7S III, rather. Right, exactly. Um, you know, and going from there, Sony had all of their picture profiles, yes. you know, built into the camera, so you can shoot S-Log on, I mean, the 6300, I'm pretty sure you can get one, maybe without a lens, but under $1,000. And if you go used market, I mean, there's billions of these things out there. Yep. You know, Facebook Marketplace, you in your area, unless you live, I mean, in a very, very remote place, I'm sure there are tons around you. You know, everybody's yeah. got them. Yeah. They're all the same camera. There's yep. no kind of, even Canon will offer different packs. You can have unlock different, um, you know, you can unlock C-Log for extra prices. And yep. I don't know much about other lineups, but I know there are a lot of cameras that are very customizable. Um, which is great, yep. you know, for if you're buying a new camera for yourself. But with the Sony series, you do benefit from the fact that they're all the same. You know, yep. any A6300 thing that you look up online is going to apply to your A6300. Yep. You know, and same thing for the A7s and anything else that they offer. There's no mechanical parts to break with these mirrorless cameras right. either. You don't have a exactly. shutter, a moving shutter, you know, to wear down over time. So that's just something, you know, less to worry about. Um, and, uh, you know, as technology emerges, I mean, we've seen Canon, we've seen Nikon, we've seen Panasonic, everybody step up to mirrorless. So this is definitely right. the next wave. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny because people went crazy when these first came out. Yeah. I mean, it was either yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love mirrorless and yeah. I'm never going back. Now and you have the DSLR guys that were like, this is crap and I'm yeah. never shooting mirrorless in my life. And now it's like, we're, we're not going back to mirrorless. You know, exactly. There, there's no real reason. flappy mirrors. <laughs> um, as far as other stuff, one of my favorite pieces of equipment that we own would be the uh, DR10s. For sure. I you mean, know, underrated. Absolutely fantastic. It's one of the first things that we ever had. Uh -huh. And even back then, you know, coming, I mean, I love shooting video and I don't really like audio. I was never really into, not music production, not audio correction, not anything. Nobody is, you know, um, you're, you, you can love video, but no one is willing to admit, you know, that they love audio. I feel right. like it's something that you kind of fall into, so. Exactly. And I mean, I'm sure people that like make music, that's different. Yeah. But as far as like sitting there and correcting voiceovers, I don't know. I personally haven't met somebody who's like, yes, that's what I, I want to do. I love audio. No. Right. Yeah, personally, I, 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 that was something I always kind of like strayed away from. Audio is something I think a lot of filmmakers kind of try to like, you know, not, not ignore, but, you know, everybody wants to color grade. Everybody wants to, you know, work with 4K footage or 120 slow-mo, but nobody wants to really sit there and master a piece of audio and, you know, take out all the small details that really make right. it crackle or, you know, get to know, like, what makes, uh, you know, a piece of audio sound better. Um, but that's something I think that comes with, you know, creating professional content and, and, and starting to acknowledge that audio is extremely important um, in what we do. And something like the DR10 makes that very easy. You know, right. you slap it onto a client, a client during an interview, and you have it's something that separates you know professional content from amateur content. You know, professional audio um, will make or break a video. Absolutely. You know, and it's time and time again. If you look this up on YouTube, you know, you'll you'll agree, um, even as somebody just watching the videos, that a video with mediocre, um, you know, quality video, yep. maybe it's 1080p, maybe it's 720p not the perfect brightness, not the perfect exposure. But good audio. Uh, but with good audio is going to do better than a yeah. beautiful video with crappy audio. For it's sure. just so uncomfortable to listen to that. Yeah. Um, so then I got a question for you, right? Everybody's moving towards these wirelessly synced 
uh, microphones. I know Rode just released a new lineup, a relatively go, new. The Rode Wireless Yes, go. exactly. Yeah. And all these things. I actually love the DR10 because it is not wireless. It takes me two seconds to sync it in Premiere. Yeah. Um, I don't have to deal with interference. I don't have to pay a million dollars for this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely some of these waves, you really got to think, you know, is, do I have to go and now update all my gear to sync wirelessly so that I can save three seconds in post-productions? Yeah. Or, you know, is some of this stuff actually great value? And look at all the problems I'm going to avoid. I'm never yeah. going to be shooting in New York City and I've got no audio because, yeah. you know, there's a gigantic, you know, amount of, of, of content flying through the air from Wi-Fi, from cell towers, from everything yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interfering. I think, you know, I mean, as, as specifically with the DR10, it's an, it's an interview style microphone, an onboard mic, you know, for, for a a, a someone else speaking when you when you want audio on someone and for that use I really don't see the wireless you know any advantages to the wireless I think it could be you know a good upgrade for someone that maybe uh, it doesn't have a DR10 you know if you have something like a DR10 already there is no reason to step up right. you know it, it's kind of one of those uh, the law of diminishing value things you know like you're for your money the DR10 will do you just fine, you know. And when you start spending, you know, double that to get the same value, you know, you're you're spending the money to get less in return. And I think something like the DR10, you know, I, I recommend the Rode Smart Lav to people all the time, uh, beginner filmmakers and and people just starting out. Um, it's it's a Rode mic, like the DR10, much like mm -hmm. the DR10 that doesn't have a receiver, um, but instead plugs right into your phone. And you right. use an exactly. app just like the DR10's receiver does, um, and it's 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 a great piece of equipment. It costs fifty bucks. You have great sounding audio, and it's a beginner step into something like the DR10. You know, and uh, I think the you know the law of diminishing return really doesn't. It, it, it begins to you begin to see where some of this equipment isn't necessary, um, even for prof professionals like us. Like we really don't need to spend the extra money on something like the Rode Wireless Go when we can just use the roads uh the dr10s uh just as we are you know right it, exactly it sounds great we have great audio there's no don't change something that's not broken you know right exactly um so getting into you know photos and videos uh f content uh, not content but equipment for beginners right so let's talk a little bit about that we were very fortunate to have an a6300 i think it has features that you're just not going to find um you know for that kind of price but to start with iPhone right and and really any mobile phone at this point I know you know not just iPhones you know Samsung's and, and everything else from Motorola and, and they produce you know some crazy phones and some really awesome cameras at what point do you think you know what what camera do you think really stands out from a mobile phone because for me realistically anything lesser than a Sony 6300 um, I really wouldn't bother if I don't have the profiles um, you know to color correct my image and if I don't have uh, you know the 120 you know 120 1080 then for us I, I wouldn't bother with anything less than a 6300 only because um, we've become so accustomed you know to this kind of the, the, the level of quality we work with for someone starting out you know maybe you can start with an iPhone, you know, shooting 4K and then kind of adapt yourself to start to work with heavy, uh, higher level cameras. But for us, mm -hmm. I mean, the A6300 is definitely an advanced piece of technology, w whether or not it's full frame. You know, that's it's a big argument whether or not you can see a difference in full frame to crop sensor cameras. And something like the A6300, you know, does great video, does great photos. Um, and especially when you're publishing for social media, 
it's a big it's up for debate a lot of people will d agree or disagree but you know you really can't see a lot of these differences between crop sensor and full frame sensors for social media right. if you're posting to instagram or facebook you know it, no one's gonna look at your photo and be like oh he shot this with a crop sensor camera right it's gonna you know facebook and instagram and even like youtube and other publishing yeah. Yeah, they're gonna compress it so much so that you won't even be able to tell yeah. if i shot on an, on an fs5 or on a on, you know on a, on a red weapon yep um yep unfortunately so exactly but you know for beginners i would definitely say you know start with your phone yeah for you sure. know, it's an it's a piece of equipment that you have, and you can start learning from there. Yep. And at the, at the point at which I would upgrade, I would shoot for something that has these more advanced features. Yeah. When I don't you find know yourself the inside of it. Yeah. So, um, but as far as like Sony, you know, exactly. Any any upgrades, I, I I found it's 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 best to wait until you find yourself needing an, an extra, uh, you know, an extra. You need something to lend to your your creative style. So like. When you find yourself ready, you know, to start doing slow motion, or you find yourself ready to take that next step into something more advanced, then you upgrade. You know, it's it, if you're just starting out, you don't need, you know, 120 frames per second. You don't, you don't need, you know, 4K resolution unless you have a crazy editing rig. You know, these are things right. that like you need to start using when your uh, own ability, you know, allows you to. You should start learning first. You know get to know an editing software get to know basic you know basic cutting and and get to know comp composing your shots before you step into the ring with like something like heavy slow motion or you know advanced effects like these are things that you know are, are worth investing in when you're ready to start learning about them you know more intensely right so then i've got a question for you as far as lighting cool so I've, i was at a party and this girl comes up to me and she knows I do photo and video stuff. And she's like, listen, tell me these ring lights that all these like influencers post on their Instagrams <laughs> and stuff. Are they oh, a gimmick? No. Are they just posting them because they look cool? <laughs> and it's like, a, you know, it's a nice little ring. And, you know, you can put a mirror in front of it. And then you get those, you know, funny little Instagram and Snapchat, you know, little posts. Or do they actually, you know, do something? And I thought about it. And like a, a color accurate, like a CRN, like a high CRN ring light would probably be really good. So... From what I hear, a lot of these ring lights, but what YouTube creators, a lot of YouTube creators like about the ring lights is they give you that glare in, in the eye. So when you're shooting high res, you get that ring in, in the middle mm -hmm. of your eye. Um, and that's what a lot of people like about them. Um, do they give you color accurate you know, lighting? Can, can you match you know, color temperature on all of them? Probably not. A lot of the all a lot of these Amazon ones that you see for twenty bucks are are just going to be one color temperature, and you're going to be able to turn them on and off. Um, I think they do serve a good purpose, you know, for beginners, and it, you know, they they really teach you that good lighting can change a video. Um, you know, a, a video shot in natural light and oh, with LEDs coming over you, you know, in a blank room, can be shot, you know, with with a three thousand dollar lens and and just look like it was shot on a phone you know right. whether ba based on what lighting you're using and you know you really don't need expensive lights to make your 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 image pop or look professional as long as you know how to light it right you know you have a good key light you have a good backlight to separate your the back of your um the back of your focus from the background you know you'll have a good nice comp uh, composed image um 
that looks professional rather than something that just looks flat and nothing's popping. You know, you need some contrast. Right. You exactly. need some backlight. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you have an expensive light. And I think that's where these these ring lights come into the picture. You know, they, they kind of teach people that. And, and, and I think that's important. So if, if people want to keep using them for TikTok videos and Instagram yeah, stuff, I, I, I say all as power to them. Plug and play, super easy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as, you know, having something that you can learn from, you know, get multiple lights, get, you know, LED lights so that you can mess around with where I position them, the angles, the heights, yep. you know, behind, in front, to the yep. left, to the right. And, you know, realistically, three, three is a good number, but you can get away with two lights. You can even get away with one light. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, um, having all that stuff is definitely going to push you in the right direction. But as far as, um, you know, if you want to casually shoot a video, I don't see a problem with the ring light at all. No, for sure. Not. Exactly. All right. So. Moving on to, and yes, I'm still here. <laughs> Moving on to um, talking about the future of the ED and EDS uh, creative photo and video departments. Um, you know, I'm going to let Andrew and Jared kind of give their insight onto where they want things to go, what they've been happy with, if they would change anything. Um, but I think it's great that we have two team members here so they can, you know, they see this stuff firsthand, give their description of how they want things to, you know, continue to progress in the future. Cool. All right. Um, so let's talk about uh, pushing our equipment and kind of a new direction for it. Uh, most importantly, the Sonys, you and I are both going to agree that those are fantastic. Great. Um, there's really not anything that we would want, you know, unless an A7S comes out, A7S which we're all hoping for. Yeah, the S3. Um, Jack actually owns a Canon EOS R, and he filmed a video for Circle BMW that I ended up editing. Yeah. And it was very good. Yeah. I honestly was incredibly impressed with, with I mean, Canon colors are famous for being fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And um, no obviously idea. he knows how to set up a shot to make it a very nice shot, so yeah. there was no problem with that. But I was editing the footage. I was very impressed with it. I didn't see um, a reason to switch to it for myself personally. Yeah. It's all um, personal preference, you know, I, and, and there's no arguing that Canon has color science down, you know, they, absolutely. they have great skin tones. Everybody will, you know, argue that till they'll die. And I will not, you know, absolutely, I will not yeah. discredit them. They, they do great. They do great skin tones. Their color science is amazing. And, and that's, you know, that's why they had the pioneer, you know, 5d, uh, be so successful. But, mm -hmm. You know, there are other competitors now. Sony's doing a great job with this stuff. Um, and, again, don't fix something that isn't broken. I, I really think we're, we're doing a flawless job with these Sonys. Um, it's nice because we have multiples, so color matching is not a thing. Right, um, exactly. You know, shooting with different systems can get kind of like a, a little bit of a headache when you have to start color matching and stuff. They couldn't imagine trying to match a Canon to a Sony. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of a little bit of a headache. You kind of have to adjust white balance and and tint and, and skin tones gets annoying. So uh, as far as, you know, um, where we want to go, I think, you know, staying with Sony is probably the right move. Um, Blackmagic looks like they're doing some great stuff. I'm not ignoring right. them at all. So here's what I wanted to kind of get into. We have a Sony FS5. We bought it really towards the end of the FS5's life. I mean, this thing has been around for a while. Um, when it first came out, it was a fantastic camera, and it still is a fantastic camera, but you do deal with a relatively noisy sensor if you don't know how to, you know, shoot correctly and adjust for that. You know, it's just by default, it's just an older piece of equipment. It came out a while ago. It's not going to be as, um, you know, as clear as some of the new for stuff. Sure. 
Um, you know, you deal with some of the other kind of shortcomings of it. Uh, the menu system is a little complicated. I don't really have a problem for it because yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I know like I'm looking for a specific feature and I'll just scroll until I see that specific yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but some people, it's not very intuitive if they want, you know, adjust the video settings and they don't know where to find that because there's 15 pages. of Definitely. Them, yeah. um, and stuff like that. But this is kind of a gray area for us because I'm very happy with everything that that camera has taught me. Um, and the rest of the team and everything we've worked with, you know, from being able to even shoot, you know, raw footage on it and messing around with, you know, understanding that we're probably not going to do that unless we really need to. Um, but, but learning these things and learning how to use the camera and, and really just helped me learn, you know, for one thing, what it is to shoot, you know, cinema style stuff, yeah. to shoot on a manual lens. Um, you know how to use the camera correctly for uh, you know more cinematic shots how to uh, you know use light how to use ND filters because those are built into the camera stuff like that yeah uh, so it's done great work for us the question is uh, I'm not sure it was the right decision at the time to get one um, there really wasn't anything else available but now with so many things that have popped up perhaps um, that's gonna be the next piece of equipment that we hope to upgrade um, I wouldn't say that we outgrew it but it's just a matter of um, it's like price versus need exactly um, and and again that law of diminish, diminishing return you know what do we need and what you know what 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 the what technology is desirable or, or, or do we not necessarily need um for the price and you know there there's a lot out there for you know a lot less than the sony fs5 right. that could do a lot more for us um and also cost less you know and 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 that's the thing i think a lot of people you know, spend money on, you know, price of your equipment because they think it's going to be better or they're going to be able to take advantage of these features when in reality, you know, um, something completely different for, for much cheaper could could serve the same purpose. Right, exactly. Uh, so. And even still with now with Blackmagic releasing all the stuff that they're releasing. Yeah, man, 6K. Um, you know, the 6K is fantastic. It's crazy. Um, all the new Ursa cameras that yeah. just came out. Between the 12K and there's a 4.6K version it's of it, beautiful too. beautiful stuff. Um, and they're all, within, right, they're all within relatively good, um, you know, price ranges. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not unattainable. Um, they're not as, you know, cheap as an A7 at this, uh, not an A7, but an NFS5 at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you are going to get a very modern camera. For you sure. You know, so you're going to get to... Um, experience more modern features. Uh, this camera definitely makes you work. For sure. I'm very glad that we had it for the fact that um, some of the new stuff is just not going to be as, um, not to say annoying, but it's not going to demand as much focus as maybe the FS5 has. No. You um, think about everything, you know, er everything right, exactly. is was thought out, you know, every, where opposed to, you know, the A7, it's some of the stuff is kind of automated for you. You can, right. you can kind of just like, you know, turn your brain off and kind of like sink your mind into like what you're looking at rather with the FS5 it's kind of like putting your driving a stick versus you know driving an automatic car right exactly um, so as far as uh, your ideas what equipment would you like to see what is something I know Jack's a big black magic fan I know yeah. he would love to see some black magic stuff yeah um, myself I'm really hoping for an update to the FS, you know, FS5, FS7, Same, whatever yeah, for they sure. come up with now. I know there's a new FX9. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. I just it. saw it, yeah. It's absolutely surreal. Yeah. I saw some of the footage it produces and the things it can do. It's amazing. We were just talking about the new Canon, uh, Canon release as well. Um, right, yeah, the R5 and yeah, the R6. 8K, so... Yeah, I don't know. And Blackmagic just released, what, 12K? What was that? Yeah, the 12K Ursa. 12K Ursa so as well, so there's a lot of, you know, I heard uh, July was camera month 
Absolutely. for 2020. You know, I'm sorry to everybody who bought a camera right before. Yeah, then. man, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time to be holding out. And we have rumors. I mean, not rumors, but confirmation of the AS7, AS7S3 coming uh, within the next right. couple of months as well. So, you know, as as far as cameras uh, or equipment, I I'd like to see come in. Um, within the next year, definitely, you know, a something to either match or replace the FS5. Um, right. We, you know, we've gotten a lot of use out of the FS5, but I believe there's something that could like maybe challenge us more or give us Absolutely. something more to kind of experiment. And something with. that's going to be a little bit more rewarding. Exactly. Because the the reward of shooting with an FS5 camera is your footage looks good. Oh, because absolutely. if you don't, you know, the reward of shooting with a, with a Sony A7 yeah. is, wow, I've got this amazing shot, or I've got this really awesome motion. You know, the reward of shooting with the FS5 is, wow, I didn't mess up. I didn't mess up. Yeah, yeah there's no yeah. grain in my footage. You yeah. know, it looks good. I mean, the biggest thing for me is it, with the A7s is the in-body stabilization. Like that's, right. you know, and, and apart from the FS5, you don't have that. So it's, you know, the lenses have to have IS or, you know, you're gonna have some shaky footage, and and, right. and that's a big thing for me. Is you know, have it's stable footage is everything. You know, Absolutely. it sets apart a professional video from you know someone that's just holding a camera. And like I said before, you know, a lot of this stuff can be done handheld now because of that IS, that in body yep, exactly. IBIS, you know, which is super important for you know running gun filmmakers like us. You know, right. So exactly. So as far as our future, you know, we're very happy with the Sony's as For far sure. as like yeah. the, uh, the mirrorless stuff that we've got now. It's great. And uh, we're hoping to see and we'll keep everybody updated, you know, once these things, you know, for one thing, come out and people get their hands on Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, we're hoping to get something that is going to the reward of which is going to be not it doesn't look bad. The reward of it is going to be, wow, it looks absolutely incredible. And this isn't to diss the FS5 at all. Even bringing it into post-productions, and uh, if I'm shooting on a, on a Sony A7 next to the FS5, if we shot the FS5 stuff correctly, I can grade that footage oh, so much it deeper. It looks beautiful. You know, yeah. even skin tones is the, is the biggest thing, is with you know being able to shoot you know 444 if I want to, and, yeah. and, and the other options that it has, um, you know, those colors really do stand out. It really is different from an A7. They're there's, really, it is better, but it's just not better enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. The, the, there's so, no question the dynamic range can be pushed. There's no question that it's sharp and clean. Uh, I mean, they shoot Netflix series on this thing. Exactly. You know? it, it is a, a, a very valuable piece of equipment. Um, but, you know, it, it has to lend, you know, to your team. It has to lend to the story. It has to be comfortable. Um, you know, that's my biggest thing is I, I want to be comfortable with the equipment that I'm using. And that was a big part of why I was really happy with the with you guys using the Sony ecosystem. When I came in, I was ready right. to, you know, uh, I was hired and I was ready to come in here running, you know, because exactly. I already was comfortable with it, the yeah. equipment that you guys use, you know, and I was able to just take advantage, complete advantage of that. And, you know, that's very rare in this industry. You know, we're all using different stuff. So to come in here and have you guys in the Sony ecosystem was awesome. All right. So oh, you want to go? Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to move us on to the uh, story and lessons of the week. But, you know, you're at the Actually, top of this list here. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm going to save that actually for next week. Um, but before we do wrap things up, I do want to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, one to our two sound slash sound engineers slash camera operators today, uh, Joe and David. Uh, second to Uncle Vinny tuning in from Florida. Um, yes. And third, hey. me and Andrew wanted to take a minute to thank Jared for all of his hard work of course, man. Uh, and dedication you, yes. that he's brought to the company. Uh, for for those of you that don't know, Jared's been with us for about seven, eight months now, yeah. uh, and it's been a wonderful seven or eight months. He's been an amazing addition hey. to the company. He's uh, done so much for us, and I've got to see him grow grow uh, in his position along with him, you know, assisting everyone with growing in their position. For sure. I appreciate that, Matt. And, you know, we've learned a lot from you, and I hope you've learned, you know, a lot from us maybe from just the business so side of the marketing for sure man um and we're we're going down a good path and we're so excited to have you here with us so i wanted to take a minute to to thank you for that thank you i appreciate that man yeah, absolutely it's a little bit of a sneak peek for next week next week's episode it's going to be titled how to run a startup and we're going to have a couple of guests on there but i'm going to keep that a little bit of a secret um so yeah you guys have anything else to add uh, no, that's it. You know, thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, excited to be here uh, this week. Thank you guys for having yeah, Jared, me. Yeah, Jared, We'll have yes. you on again, definitely. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, and to the audience, make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Our Facebook is Everyday Podcast FB, and our Instagram is Everyday Podcast IG. Uh, our website is everydaypodcast.biz. That's B-I-Z at the end. Uh, you can also email us with any questions, comments, concerns, all the above, uh, at info at everydaypodcast.biz. That's B-I-Z. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you here next week.